You're listening to Impact Is Own, your home for the latest news, analysis, and opinions on Michigan State men's basketball with your hosts, Trent Valley, Luke Sloan, and Brendan Shabath. Welcome in. It is the Impact Is Own. I am your man, Trent Valley, along with my guys, per usual, Brendan Shabath and Luke Sloan. We are here live in Indianapolis, Indiana, the hometown of basketball. Sorry, Kansas. My condolences. I do have to turn it over to Sloan. We're coming at you live from... All right, let me set the scene here. We are at the Hampton Inn slash Homewood Suites, downtown Indianapolis, Canal IUPUI. Yes, all of that is the name of the hotel. We are literally sitting on the hotel beds right now. We had some great pizza. Shout out Topper's Pizza because we're not on the FM airwaves and we can shout things out. It was fantastic. We are recovering from another busy day of Big Ten basketball, and we have a gorgeous view of downtown Indianapolis. I'm literally looking out the window right now at the city, so we are we are here. The scene is set, and we are ready to roll. We are at what the Wisconsin Media Notes so accurately called Indianapolis, the crossroads of America, and I think there was is no better location in the nation for the tournament, not just the Big Ten tournament, Chicago is a great place, but Indianapolis is fantastic. The Indiana fans for both IU and Purdue have been out of this world. And for this year's tournament in specific, which has been so much fun, it's had one blowout game, which was Iowa versus Northwestern. Iowa Rutgers in the second, you know, early today, that game was not super close, but still Rutgers was competitive. Every other game has been absolutely fantastic, entertaining, fun to watch, comebacks, lost leads, late game shots. It's been it's been a blast. I just wanted to add one more note on Indianapolis. It is also, and I call it the capital of the Big Ten because the football championship is played here every season. The Big Ten men's and women's basketball tournaments are played here pretty much every year, kind of every other year. It will rotate a little bit. And I was talking to this with a fellow member of the media today on the elevator that it is equidistant from all the states here, Ohio, Illinois, Michigan, obviously Indiana, Wisconsin. But then if you go to like Maryland and Rutgers and Iowa and Nebraska and stuff, we're getting a little complicated, but this is not the geography podcast. Yeah, the the Maryland kids who we became friends with uh, in our – three days here now it's been three right Wednesday yeah we're on Friday our three days here the Maryland uh student media from Merrill College the journalism school over there that we became friends with had a 10 hour drive on Wednesday uh they're leaving tomorrow morning they told me because of the yes 10 hour drive back to College Park we haven't seen any Penn State student media not that they're not here we didn't see any of them though but that's also got to be a long I was surprised that Maryland drove yeah, full disclosure, I do have to say, uh, as Brennan mentioned, it is late Friday or early Saturday, depending on how you look at it. It is 1.32 Eastern Time as we record. Uh, and if you know Trent Valley, you know what I've been doing for the last couple hours. So I will not incriminate myself. I will just say, cut us a little slack, people, because, hey, we've got a game to cover for you. The Michigan State Spartans upset the Wisconsin Badgers in the Big Ten Tournament, 69-63. to 63. Obviously, seven-seed Michigan State upsetting the number two Wisconsin Badgers. And the Purdue Boilermakers later on, and we will get to this game later to preview it, beat the Penn State Nittany Lions to become the only uh, – what's the what, – what, Brennan, what's the term? They got the double bye. 
The Purdue Boilermakers are the only double bye to win on Friday. Double bye, one and three, bad news. Uh, but hey, let's talk a little bit about this Spartans win. Obviously, Marcus Bingham Jr. is fantastic today. 19 points, 11 rebounds, three blocks for you. Tyson Walker, 11 points, seven assists. And other than that, it was a true team effort. I mean, Joey Hauser gave you nine. And then Max Christie, A.J. Hogard, and Julius Marble gave you eight apiece. So, Luke, let's look at this win. What does this mean for the Spartans moving forward? What chance do you give them to actually win this thing? I mean, there really is a lot to unpack when you think about this game. Not only is it a big-time upset, number seven over number two, which is very significant, especially, and I give Brendan a lot of credit for this as well, not just the number two seed in the Big Ten tournament, but also the number 12 team in America via the AP poll, and a team that was 15-5 and five in the Big Ten this season, a great Wisconsin team. I don't want to sell them short at all. They have a great player, a great coach, and a, and a great roster with a lot of depth. But Michigan State... Like you said, Trent, in, in the grand scheme of things, they have just as good a shot as any team left to win this Big Ten tournament. There are some hot teams in this final four of the Big Ten tournament per se, Michigan State being one of them, Indiana, Iowa's shooting the basketball really well, and then obviously Purdue, who's probably the betting favorite at this point. But localizing things a little bit more, I, you know, I do think Michigan State has a shot to win this whole thing. Um, the time to doubt them is not right now. Not with the way they're playing right now, but localizing it for this game, the three of us talked about this the last time we recorded Impact Izone. The our three main consensus keys to a victory for Michigan State was obviously shooting more two pointers, which Michigan State did very effectively. Marcus Bingham had 19 and 11 boards. Yeah, only one three as a team. One for I don't know what the number was. One for nine, I think. We'd have to we'd have to check the sheet. Yeah, what Brendan says, one for 11. Thank you. He's the numbers guy. But this, Wisconsin Wisconsin does not defend the, the, the two well at all. They defend the three at the second best rate in the Big Ten in conference play, but they don't defend twos well at all. Michigan State got a lot of paint touches and converted a lot of them in this game. And then the, the second two keys, obviously, were defending the paint and keying in on Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis struggled a lot, and Wisconsin really never established a, a good post presence. And then the third key would be, Limiting Wisconsin to one shot per possession. The Badgers are not a great offensive rebounding team. They were not tonight at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And there were a lot of one-and-done possessions for the Badgers that turned into run-out opportunities for Michigan State. It, it helped when they went on some runs in the second half. And it was a really slow and bogged-down first half, which gave way to a quicker pace for the first 10 or so minutes of the second half. It slowed down again, and then it picked up at the end when Wisconsin made shots to really bring the game closer after the Spartans led by eight. So really there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. And Luke, it's interesting that you talk about Wisconsin's two point defense, excuse me, because I don't want to discredit and then their three point defense as well. You mentioned that they're second in the big 10 and three point defense. I want to add that they're second behind Michigan state. Who's number one, their opponents shoot about 31.3% from deep on the season against the Spartans. But yeah, there were zero threes, as Trent said, in the first half between the two teams. But for Michigan State, the one for 11 from deep today is, like I said, not a discredit to Wisconsin. Um, it's more so that Michigan State, it, it was an off night for both teams. Johnny Davis was 3 of 19 from the floor. Michigan State was 1 of 11. The 1-3 came from Joey Hauser, not the guy you probably would have pegged if I told you they made 1-3. But for Michigan State, it was a lot of open looks. Malik Hall had two open looks. Tyson Walker had an open look. 
Max Christie, or excuse me, Gabe Brown had some open shots. It wasn't that Wisconsin was all over Michigan State shooters and keyed in on that, even though that was something I'm sure they were keyed in on. Michigan State's the sixth best three-point shooting team in the country. But it was just an off night for both teams, and, and Brad Davison struggled from deep. He made two in the second half, but I think he went two for, two for seven from deep. Three for eight. So, you know, he, he had an off night, too. It was a weird night shooting. It was a rock fight. It was a classic Big Ten battle. It was a classic Michigan State-Wisconsin game, too. Those tend to be rock fights a lot. And you kind of wouldn't have guessed that this year with the star power of Johnny Davis and Brad Davison for Wisconsin. And then the three-point shooting barrage that Michigan State presents and the amount of offensive threats they have. You wouldn't have guessed that would be a low-scoring affair but it was, and Michigan State was able to pull it out, and that's credit to their poise down the stretch coming from Max Christie and Tyson Walker, the two who played very poised against Maryland when they were storming back against the Spartans, um, and, and their defensive effort. Johnny Davis had an off night, and, and that's a part of it, but Michigan State locked them down as well. They they helped really hard um, off of their off of the Wisconsin shooters, especially from the bigs. Uh, you know, Wisconsin's bigs are not particularly strong scoring threats. So Michigan State helped a lot off of the bigs, and that was really smart. Marcus Bingham Jr. played great help defense on Johnny Davis. Christie played great on-ball defense on Davis. It was an all-around defensive effort, a team win, and usually when Michigan State wins, that's kind of what it is. It's a team effort, and they win it that way. Before I bring it back to Trent, just on that point too, Brendan, it just seems like these last two games, I know that there are a lot of cliches about Izzo in March and the calendar flips and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Everybody knows the cliches. But it is, from a genuine place, the three of us can say that Michigan State has seemed to flip a switch in the last two games against Maryland and once again in in this last game against Wisconsin. We'll see if that translates into the Purdue game later today as we record very, very early on a Saturday morning. But it just seems to be a different effort, a different intensity. I know that the last two, three minutes of that Maryland game may say otherwise, and you can make a big argument for that. But the first 85% of that and 100% of this Wisconsin game were were an all-in, focused, very good effort. Oh, guys, I am going to zoom out, as I so often do, and I'm going to give a, I don't know, maybe somewhat ridiculous take on this game. Excuse me. I just got to clear my throat before I get to what I'm going to get to. I think Michigan State kind of looked across the sideline, and I think they saw it. Look, Greg Gard, Coach of the Year, congrats. Johnny Davis, Player of the Year, congratulations. Good season, guys. We're going to play. This is probably the last time we're going to play a right, unless by you know God's grace they meet in the tournament. Tom Izzo out coached Greg Gard tonight, and Michigan State's best player, you can argue about who it is, whether it's Tyson Walker, Max Christie, Marcus Bingham, they all outplayed Johnny Davis. So – I mean, you, you kind of look at that. It's like you got to tip your hat to Michigan State. And I, I, I want to bring it back to a point that I put in my preview for this game. And this is not to toot my horn, but I thought that one of the biggest keys to victory for Michigan State was the fact that they kept throwing different looks at Johnny Davis. Give him – don't let him get comfortable with any single defender. You know, in that first half, I saw – I think I saw Jaden Akins, Max Christie, A.J. Hogarth, and Gabe Brown all get a chance to guard – Johnny Davis, the player of the year in the conference at one point. And like you said, Brendan, you held him to 3-19 shooting. And I think it's really interesting that you bring up Jay Nakins as well because that's something that stood out to me in today's game. Jay Nakins did play in the first half on Johnny Davis, and, and that was smart. But what stood out, and now 
zooming out and rewinding almost to that first half and his defense on Davis was Brad Davison on back-to-back possessions for Wisconsin gets a look just right at the top of the key and drills a three-pointer and Wisconsin storming back the building's getting a little bit loud um, and it looks like Wisconsin's got a chance to retake the lead maybe win this game blah 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 Tom Izzo, more more accurately, Dwayne Stevens, because he, he controls the subs on the bench for Michigan State primarily, subs in Jaden Akins to cover Brad Davison, who is really good and, and underrated for his ability to get open away from the ball, moving off of off-ball screens, curling around, you know, juking defenders with a jab step and stuff like that, and the next play down for Wisconsin – Davison gets the inbound on the left wing. Jaden Aikens on him, and he's trying to get open, maybe hit a step back, sidestep three, whatever, and Aikens was like glue on his hip. He wouldn't hesitate, and I never... We know how athletic Aikens is and how fast he is, and he's going to be a dynamite player for Michigan State in the coming seasons. But I never thought about in this first year when he's in this strange role-player phase of providing some stability off the bench occasional spark plug scoring. I never thought of him as like this really athletic and fast defender who you can stick to a guy who gets open really easily. And that's a huge advantage that Michigan State has off the bench. And with Aikens, there's not too many draw. You know, a lot of guys, we talk about end of games, offense and defensive subs. Aikens is definitely a defensive sub right now for Michigan State. But there's not too many drawbacks for him offensively. We've seen him knock down shots. He had a big end of the shot clock uh, three-pointer against Maryland in an absolutely broken play that was kind of a a lifter for Michigan State, a bit of momentum for them in a shot that was not supposed to go in. Uh, He had 12 points against Baylor. You know, he's had some performances, some outbursts. He'll fly in for offensive rebounds and jump over everybody. Um, He had a couple chances to do that tonight against Wisconsin. Um, and, and I really never thought of his defensive prowess that way. And, and, and so credit to Stevens and the Michigan State coaching staff for, I'm sure they realized that a while back, and my just slow basketball brain didn't get there until today. But it, that was good to see them utilize him in that way and, and to know that that's something they can do moving forward. Talking about your point as well, Trent, and I agree that Tom Izzo, in my opinion, thoroughly outcoached Greg Gard in this game. And I Look at the second half of play in particular and two points of interest. The first one would be we talked earlier in the, in the in the podcast about how Michigan State really pounded the ball in the paint, got a lot of post touches. Greg Gard and Wisconsin didn't really make that second adjustment to Michigan State's onslaught in the paint. They didn't really try different defenders on someone like Bingham or even Julius Marble. They didn't really help a ton in the second half. It was a little bit stubborn, in my opinion, that they didn't help more when Michigan State dominated inside as much as they did. And then the second one is obviously Michigan State took away Davis, like you said. Michigan State helped on Davis really well. Brendan, you mentioned Bingham as someone who led the charge. Guard, in my opinion, and Wisconsin in general, I don't think they got creative enough, in my opinion, to try to get – you know, Davidson or Davis or Hepburn or even Wall. I don't think they got creative enough to try to get looks. I don't think they ran, how do I want to put this? Not per, maybe perky. They didn't run anything creative and kind of spunky in terms of like half court sets to, to try to get them back into the game and get Davis involved when he struggled in one on one. They just kind of went with the status quo, hoped they'd break out of slumps. They didn't really try to scheme their way out of it. 
I think they just tried to hope that they would shoot their way out of it. And this is another credit to your point, Trent. You said that you don't let Johnny Davis beat you. Hepburn, Davison, you can. You felt very content, and you wrote this in your preview for Impact, impact89fm.org slash sports. If you try to let those two beat you, you're going to come out on top. Hepburn, Davidson, they turned it on in the second half, but it still was not enough to beat Michigan State. Davis was going to be the guy if they won. We said that before the game. We said that during the game, and now we say it, say it after the game. It wasn't Davis in this game, and Wisconsin did not come away with a win. I want to go back to your point, Luke, about the lack of creativity for Wisconsin offensively. And we should give credit to Coach Greg Gard for them, Big Ten Coach of the Year, two out of the last three years now, both when Wisconsin won regular season titles. Um, But to me, this Wisconsin team is not a team that, one, has the pieces to run an offense like that, whereas Michigan State kind of does. And two, to your point, right now they they're terrible shooting the basketball so I think that builds into that pretty well right and and, and two this year Davis obviously stepped out amongst everybody else had a huge growth year from his freshman year to this year um and and the biggest threat in Wisconsin offense was him and the reason it's worked for some other guys is because it's the classic star power attraction is that you focus on Davis it brings other guys open. Then Tyler Wall's getting open down low on pick and rolls, and Brad Davison's open on driving dish threes, and Chucky Hepburn's, you know, a guy that you put a, a weaker defender on, and he gets he blows by him for a layup. Um, and, and guard is just not – I don't want to say not an X's and O's coach because he does do that. He, he's, he's not a great changing the game plan coach. And if that's the biggest gripe we have with him, then that's credit to him because he does a lot of things right. He's great in player development. The last two times that he won Big Ten Coach of the Year, it's very easy to say that Wisconsin didn't have expectations at all pre those seasons of being Big Ten regular season champions and being in the spots that they had. Um, and, And he's a decent recruiter. He does create good game plans, and when Wisconsin sticks to them and they work, they end up winning games. But changing the game plan mid-game, which is, in my idea, a mark of a truly great coach and a legendary coach for someone like Tom Izzo, maybe, or Matt Painter or somebody. Um, That's just something he's not quite there yet, not quite adept at. And and that's part of the reason Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin today was just kind of hoping Davis would kind of shoot his way out of it. And it didn't work. And Michigan State, while they still keyed in on him, were able to locked down the other guys and it really helped them that he had an off night and like we like we've talked about I'm really curious I kind of almost feel like I should have asked Davis in the postgame presser how much that ankle really bothered him today and to your point as well you mentioned one of guard's strengths too obviously he's a very good coach he was coach of the year for a reason and one thing he did do successfully in this game which you hinted at is Michigan State made one three-pointer and was able to defeat the number 12 team in the land via the AP poll. Now, obviously, Wisconsin's perimeter defense is very good, so that's a testament to guard, but this is against a Michigan State team that shoots threes at the best clip in the Big Ten. So credit to Wisconsin for shutting down Michigan State's perimeter game, but more credit to Tom Izzo and Michigan State for pounding the ball, 
getting the rock inside, especially to Bingham, and winning in spite of just making one three-pointer. So much of Michigan State's offense comes shooting the basketball from distance. A lot of it. They take a lot of threes and make a lot of threes this season. Typically, when you're at when Michigan State's asked to create off the dribble other than Hogard, not in transition, just into the half court, it doesn't work that well, especially because they don't have your prototypical post big. But in this game, they proved that they could find offense in different places that wasn't just jump shooting. And that, for Michigan State fans, in my opinion, really needs to open eyes. Obviously, the defensive effort was very, very impressive. That was your number one thing, Trent, and I completely agree with you. But my number one takeaway in this game might be the diversity of Michigan State's offense and the fact that this was a horrible three-point shooting night for them, one night after a great one against Maryland, but they found other ways to put the ball in the basket. They shot it well from the free throw line, they got it in the paint, and they beat a damn good basketball team. That, that's a positive sign for Michigan State, in my opinion. All right, guys, we are about to wrap, and we're going to wrap by doing that by picking Michigan State versus Purdue tomorrow. Of course, Purdue beating the Penn State Nittany Lions 69-61 to advance to the semifinal. But I do want to give a shout-out to two players in particular who have had very, very, very inconsistent seasons who actually, yet, I would think all three of us would agree, have had a top four or five impact on winning this season, and that is Marcus Bingham, who scored 11 points straight for the Michigan State Spartans when they needed it most, and Joey Hauser, who scored seven straight for the Spartans when they also needed it most. And, hey, those two guys, both in the front court, kind of helped slam the door, in my opinion. I know Tyson Walker's the one hitting the free throws at the line to seal it. I know Max Christie's the one doing that as well. But those two guys were, st- were stabilizers when they really haven't been all season but the flashes they've shown have been great. All right, so let's get into the Purdue and uh, Michigan State matchup. So for me, I'm going to stick by my pick earlier today, or yesterday technically, when we did our podcast, and I'm going to say this. If Michigan State's able to get past Wisconsin, they're going to win the tournament. I stand by it. First obstacle in the way is Purdue. How are they going to do it? They've done it once before. It's all about limp. You can give them the twos. Don't you got to take away the three. I guess that's the bottom line. Twos will hurt you. Threes will kill you. That's what time was set at halftime of the Purdue win. Of course, 68-65 at the Breslin Center when Tyson Walker hit the three in the final seconds. But I think your big player here is Marcus Bingham Jr. I look for him to continue his dominance down low on both ends. I look for him to take Zach Eady, take keep him in check. Travion Williams, of course, Purdue with two very fine Low post scores. I look for Marcus Bingham to set the tone. I like the Spartans to win, and I'm going to say 65 to 58. I like the Spartans to actually keep this one low scoring and win it pretty convincingly. Brennan, I'll go to you next. So one thing I think we have to take into account when picking these games coming up, and you guys know me that I'm never one to pick Michigan State when it when it really comes down to it. This one I genuinely think is a pick'em. I think it's 50-50, and there's a multitude of reasons. And a big one is the performance that Purdue had in East Lansing, and it's credit to Michigan State, but also it's a total statistical anomaly and will likely never happen again. Purdue, the one team ahead of Michigan State in three-point offense this season in the Big Ten, who shoots it at a lights-out 40-plus percent clip from deep, shot one for nine in East Lansing against Michigan State. Jaden Ivey, while had 16 points, had five turnovers, 
Zach Eady had 25 points, but only two rebounds total. Travion Williams uh, had a good game, 11 and four. That's still low numbers for him. And Michigan State was vastly boosted in that game by a student section and by a home crowd. And while this is technically a neutral, well, this is technically a neutral court. The the Indiana fans and the Purdue fans, like we've mentioned, have shown up and shown out. I was stuck in the elevator for a little bit of that Purdue-Penn State game. And as I was making my way up to our fourth floor spot, the media overflow section, I heard a loud roar and I go, that's a Purdue bucket. And as I exited the elevator, I heard another loud roar and I was literally startled at how loud it was. And that was just Purdue. IU fans are going to be there. They might help Michigan State a little bit, you know, in that game. But if you're Indiana, don't you kind of want to – you want to win the Big Ten title, you're probably hoping to play Michigan State. But also, a a true fan wants a shot at your rival, a a team that Indiana split the series with and had a chance to sweep them down there in Mackey in the final game of the regular season. That was a close game. But this is going to be a tough environment for Michigan State. I think it's going to be one they're not used to. Purdue looked really solid tonight against Penn State defensively. I, I, I think it's a tough get for Michigan State to repeat what they did against Purdue and East Lansing in any fashion. I, I think Williams likely has a good game tomorrow. I think Ivy is going to feed off the crowd. I think Edie might be someone who we could see not have as good of a performance, but 25 points was great for Purdue, and that's what kept it close, essentially, in that game in East Lansing. I think Michigan State tries to scheme around Ivy, let him do his thing, and, and, and hopefully shut down the other people. But Eric Hunter Jr. had a great game for them. Mason Gillis had another good game tonight for Penn State. They've got a lot of or, or for Purdue against Penn State. They've got a lot of weapons. They have the crowd on their side. I still think it's a close game, but I think this is one that Purdue gets. And we've talked about something we've brought up. It's hard to beat a team twice, but it's apparently easy to beat them three times. You basically got a 75-plus percent chance if you play them a third time. But playing them the second time is hard, and it is genuinely hard to beat a team twice, and I believe in that. The tournament atmosphere changes a lot. You know, if this is if Michigan State was playing Penn State, I don't know who I'd pick. I don't know who, I, who I'm going to pick tomorrow for Indiana-Iowa just because Iowa's definitely the better team and the favorite in that game, but the way Indiana's playing lately. But I, I think Purdue wins a close one here. Uh, I think they feed off the crowd, and I think it's, it's almost even a heartbreaker. I'm going to say 70-68 Purdue. 70-68 Purdue. Man, we've seen two thrillers so far that Michigan State's been a part of. We've seen – a number of thrillers involving other teams so far in Indianapolis, which has been just a blast to watch from a a basketball fan perspective, not even uh, someone here covering it for Michigan State. But, man, a 70-68 to win for Purdue. Wow. To to quote John Rothstein, you're going to have to, what's this saying, find your local cardiologist. cardiologist. Yes, find your nearest cardiologist, Brandon Shabath, with the assist on that one. But I am going to go not with a 70-68 to win for the Boilermakers. I'm going to go with a win for Michigan State. And I'm on the same things that Trent is. I really bought into the the defensive plan for the Spartans the last time they pulled out a win for Purdue when they were number four in the nation at the time. And even though, like you mentioned, Brennan, and I think it's a brilliant point that Purdue, right behind Michigan State, shoots the ball the second best in the Big Ten from three. But I think 
You let Travion Williams, you let Zach Eady, you let Purdue get as many twos as they want, and you do exactly what you did in East Lansing, and you defend the three like your life depends on it. And now I know that water finds its level, and I know that this Purdue team has a history all season long from end to end of shooting the ball really well from three, but Michigan State's perimeter defense is the best in the Big Ten for a reason. It showed up today as well. Wisconsin shot horrific from three. They're not a great three-point shooting team, but they Michigan State made sure that that stayed the same today. I think they let them get their twos. I wouldn't be surprised if Edie Travion Williams is also a good passer. I wouldn't be surprised if both of them had good games, racked up points as kind of volume scores. But I see Purdue's three-point offense struggling a little bit in this one. And and kind of like what Michigan State did in East Lansing as well, I wouldn't be surprised if they sped Purdue up a little bit. Not that Purdue is a slow team by any means, but especially when they have Edie on the floor in transition, that's a tough look sometimes for Purdue trying to defend that. I see Gabe Brown having a big game in my opinion. And in Michigan State, just overall, in my opinion, just looks like they're at a different level right now. They're dialed in. They're playing very well defensively. And that kind of feeds into my earlier point on why I think they're going to defend the three well in this game is because they have very well in the last two games against Maryland and Wisconsin earlier yesterday. So I see them going with a similar defensive game plan. I see a big game from Gabe Brown, probably one of the bigs, likely Bingham, like Trent said. One of them is going to have to show up, especially defensively. And I see Michigan State coming away with a win in this one. Once again, I think it's going to be low scoring, maybe a race to 70 type game. I'm going to say 68 to 63, Michigan State pulls out a win by five points tomorrow at Cambridge Fieldhouse. I I do want to add that while I am not – and I don't want to say drinking the Kool-Aid, but that's the only thing that comes to mind like you guys, because drinking the Kool-Aid has a stigma around it that it's a bad thing and you might be drunk off the Kool-Aid uh, with, with bad decisions and thoughts. But I, I am not one to buy in, I should say, as much to the Cinderella runs and stuff. And that's just of any team, let alone Michigan State. But I keep picking against them and they keep winning. And I'll leave it at that. So, yeah, you don't really want to get into one of these discussions with one Trent Valley because I will tell you, I don't even think Michigan State's a Cinderella. I don't think it's even close. But, hey, it's not up to me to decide those kinds of things. We are a little over a week away from Selection Sunday, and I can tell you the three of us are chomping at the bit. But, nonetheless, hey, for your boys, Trent Valley, Luke Sloan, Brennan Beth, we will have all of your coverage from Michigan State taking on Purdue in the semifinals of the Big Ten Tournament. Four teams remain will come out on top. This has been the Impact Is Zone. Thanks a ton for listening. We'll see you next time. This has been Impact Is Zone. For more, visit impact89fm.org forward slash sports.